Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard. Let's talk about building an advisory board. I think we would all agree that having strong advisors and mentors in your corner brings huge benefits to every organization. Not just as sound advice in making business decisions, but also providing introductions and bringing credibility to the business. So when is the right time to build your advisory board? Well, the answer is as soon as you find the right people who will help. This means before you hire your first employees. Building an advisory board, much like building company values, is often an activity to do later. But guess what? Later is too late. It's like pouring a foundation after the house has been built. So investing the time to build a board before things get too crazy is the smartest way to ensure that the decisions that you make are solid enough to bring the business to its full potential. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win-win the strongest people. By sharing insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Ms. Coco Brown. Now, Coco is the founder and CEO of Athena Alliance. Athena has helped thousands of leaders grow and advance their executive careers and has brought over 400 women to corporate boards from growth stage private companies to name brand public companies. Coco has personally worked with hundreds of top leaders, CEOs, and boards to evolve modern leadership. She served on 10 commercial and nonprofit boards and advisory boards and has led two notable companies, Taos, which was acquired by IBM, and now Athena. She is part of NASDAQ's Governance Insights Council and is often called on to share guidance to the evolving focus and breadth of responsibility within modern boardroom, which is what makes Coco the perfect expert for today's topic. Coco, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Thank you. It's nice to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. This is like really good timing for me because it's something I've been doing. So I'm kind of picking your brain here because I've been building out my advisory board and my company, Intertrue, that we're building out. This is really timely. So thank you for being on the show. So we're going to talk a little bit about when to build your board of advisors. And then we're going to talk about how to leverage your advisors through your investment cycles and how to actually create the most momentum for you as a business. Sound like a plan? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the challenge. I find that, as I mentioned in the opening, that this is one of those things like building your board of advisors. So well, I'll get to that when I get to it kind of like building your core values. But I would probably venture to guess that you think that's a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, it it sort of comes from an amalgam of different experiences I've had over all of the years, both in helping companies build boards or build advisory boards, but also in talking to CEOs who are looking back and wishing that they had done something sooner because they're feeling a little bit more hamstrung than um, they'd like to be, or they're feeling like they didn't make as much of a competitive advantage. They didn't take that competitive advantage and, and build it up around themselves early enough. Um, anything from, you know, wow, and now I have to build my formal fiduciary board and I don't have a broad set of people that I trust that I can pull from for nominations for that independent role to, you know, gosh, I never even thought about how vital a, um, an advisory community, even if you don't call it a board, but an advisory community could be to opening doors and helping shape my product and helping me hire the right people, et cetera. Yeah. And I would imagine that, well, at least for me, I mean, a lot of the bad decisions that have been made 
prior to that point probably could have been avoided by just having somebody in your corner who's providing that the year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and most people, you know, I, I think most people are willing to help you, you know, but I think sometimes we, we think that we can't um, ask for much of their time or we sort of use up the narrow bit of um, contacts that we have and we don't explore bigger sets of contacts that could be even more valuable and provide more perspective. So, you know, we spend more time sort of thinking internally about who will be my first hire and then what's my second hire and then how's that organization structure going to work? And, and we don't think about it in terms of the structure around us individually as founder. No, we don't. And actually that goes into core values of the company as well too, which is something that I'm a big proponent of is that, and it doesn't take that much time to sit down and kind of do the work to figure out like who your dream advisors would be and reach out to them. And what's interesting is that if you don't ask, you're never going to get a yes, but you'd be amazed on how many people are open to helping out. A lot of that has to do with also just thinking through what help you need, you know, like if you articulate it and you write it down and God, I really love to talk to somebody who looks like this, then you can go find them. But if you never do that, you're not going to find them. And you know, it's not that difficult to hop on LinkedIn and find people. No. Or work through your network of people that you know and find out who they know and get names and introductions. I mean, I think it's so critical even when you're hiring too, we get into reactive mode, like, oh crap, we've got money. Now we need to hire people as opposed to, all right, let's start planning this out and having conversations with people before we need to hire them so that when we need to hire them, pull the trigger, we've got them on board. Exactly. And also in just in, in today's economic climate, particularly with tech companies <laughs> or tech entrepreneurs, you know, they suddenly have gone from their funders telling them, here's a bunch of money, go hire, right? To wait a minute, dial back and make sure you have 24 to 36 months of runway, which can be feel like whiplash, particularly to, to younger entrepreneurs who've never been through this before. Um, and then, you know, so really having a good set of advisors around you is a much more, it's a very economical way of, of kind of attacking some of the things that you need to keep moving forward for, even if you can't hire right now. So why is having a strong board important to a company? Well, I think about it in, in sort of an evolutionary sense. And, um, you know, first of all, you're, if you never go for outside funding, if you're always self-funded, then the board is going to consist of you know, you and whoever else you founded the company with and hold 100% of the shares with, right? That's going to be the board. But eventually, if you if you do take outside funding, you're, you're most likely going to end up with an expanded fiduciary board that it consists of some of those funders, as well as you, you know, so then there's this um, more formalized uh, structure that that happens to you if you haven't thought about it in advance. So that's kind of the, you know, that's sort of hold those two truths, you may or may not go for funding, and it may change what I'm saying. But regardless, you're young, uh, young, meaning new, new, right, you're newly founding a company. Um, and you are a company of one or two, you know, you've got a product, you've got a thesis, you've got an, uh, you've got a sense of where your market is, um, you know, what their problem set is, you, you, you have a wish list of your first, you know, pilot customers, you have these things that are really well served if you can tap into the market at or above your level to get great guidance. People, you know, at first you start with people who are just going to tell you flat out how it is because they know you and they care about you. 
And so they'll tell you the truth. That's a dumb idea. That product will never work over here. That, you know, those <laughs> kinds of things. And that sort of loose affiliation, you know, at a certain point, I challenge you to stop just thinking about them as your friends or the people people introduce you to and start thinking of them at really strategically. Like, okay, I have this little ecosystem over here um, of the best talent I can find around my problem set and the product that I'm trying to solve or the science or the technology or whatever. And then over here in sort of where I think my vertical is, the market I'm going after, the segment of the market, et cetera. Um, and over here, you know, maybe some of the challenges that I perceive from sort of like a, what's already been done before and how do we do it different, but, but different kind of segments, you start looking for people beyond your network and really trying to expand out beyond your network so that you have a great ecosystem to pull from because coming back to the, you know, why, why do I need this? What's the benefit? It ultimately, it gets you in a position, as we were saying earlier, of having a pool of talent to choose from when you're choosing an independent director or you're choosing your, you know, your chief operating officer or your chief technology officer or these really critical roles. That is so very true. And I feel like too, when you have good advisors that you built around you, you're putting yourself also in a position where those people could potentially transfer into the business or exactly like they can help you to drive data-driven decisions as opposed to just going with your gut and making those mistakes that ultimately you're going to make, but you don't need to make. Yeah. Another thing actually that that is interesting, I was talking to a CEO not long ago and he was saying, you know, I really want to bring diversity onto my board. And now he's in this place, he's series, post series A, series B, something like that. And he's got, you know, a couple board members that are um, from the different, the top VCs that have funded him and a couple from him and his founder. And he has a pool of people he, want, he wants to potentially bring in on his board, but he's saying, look, I also want diversity, you know, however you look at that, that statement but he has nobody to draw from. And the biggest issue he had on diversity wasn't around like, I don't want a woman on my board or I don't, you know, was around trust. I already trust these other people. I already know these other people really well. So I really want to bring them on my board. So a part of that too is like developing an ecosystem of trust beyond just the core network that's comfortable. You know, the more you think about that ecosystem around you, the more you build diversity into your, your, candidate pool, whether it's for, you know, top roles or for board members. That's such a great point. All right, you're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources and your link to finding your copy of Healing Career Wounds. Let it be your company's secret weapon to landing the strongest people. Our guest today is Coco Brown, and we're discussing building your advisory ecosystem. We just talked a little bit about why it's important for you and your company. Now we're going to delve into how to do it. So this is the fun part, Coco. Walk us through how I should personally build out my board of advisors. Well, so the very first thing, it's kind of like what they say about like the first thing is to admit you have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the very first thing is the mindset, right? That it's to go, oh, wait a minute. I had never thought about that before, right? And so now that you've got that, you've got that in your mind and you think, okay, well, that's interesting. As much as I think about the internal team, I'm going to think about my external team. So then I would sort of imagine, you know, that there's a table and you're sitting at this table and there's five seats around the table and just ask yourself, like, if I could put 
someone in that seat and someone in that seat and someone in the seat over here, how would I define those seats? Like, who would I love to talk to? And some of those are going to be like, oh, I just, you know, every once in a while, I want to be able to call that person versus here's a conversation I'd like to be able to have, you know, once a quarter or every other month or at least for this year while I'm trying to solve this part of my business problem. But sort of chunk your business problems down into cycles, into phases, into the kinds of things that you haven't yet solved and start defining a little bit of, you know, the persona of who you want to have relationships with you to circle around you and how often you want to meet with them and, and whether or not you want them in a structure that's just you to them or how should be great if there were three of them and me or three of them and my CTO and me, you know, but that's what you want to do is start just modeling it, you know, just sort of shaping that a little bit for yourself. So thinking about, hey, like if I were to build a dream team, who would that be? Yeah. And who are those people that I'd want around the table? And you know what? It seems to me like we probably aim too low on this one. Yeah. So we go like, I'd love to have some name brand person on the board, but I would imagine most people go, well, I'll just call my friend Ralph and see if he'll do it. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is too, if, if you are at a point where it's a fiduciary board now, you know, like as opposed to an advisory board that doesn't, you don't, you can take their advice or not as you like. Right. But as soon as they're the fiduciary board, you know, there's a different relationship with those people. Those people have an obligation to protect the business and the interests of the customers. It's not just you. Right. So when you think about your advisors, you can think very selfishly about you and how many of those do you want always selfishly just for you as opposed to the people on your board? Yeah. Um, you know, and then sometimes also when you do get to a place where you are building a fiduciary board, if you have enough to pick from, you can say, oh, this person I really trust. They've got, they've got my back. They understand what I'm in this for. They understand why I have the exit strategy. I have, they're going to, you know, so I'm going to suggest that we consider them for this independent role that is between you know, me and the other owners and the funders, founders and funders need the independent role to kind of break the, the tie sometimes or be the, you know, the navigator between the two. And so that's, you know, a, a piece of that. So think of that dream team as people I'm going to build trust with over time, people that are going to add the right kinds of guidance to me over time, people who've seen around the corners that I think I'm going to have to navigate around. So that how piece is really just to envision it, imagine it, right? Start drawing it out. And then the, the second thing is then, you know, so it's sort of like, know you need it, start envisioning it, and then just go out and start finding those people. They're not that hard to find, you know, and one will lead you to another. You'll reach out to one and they'll say, oh, well, I don't really have the bandwidth for it, but so-and-so over here is really great at that. Or you ask, who else do you know? Let me back up a little bit. So you recognize, okay, hi, I'm Rick. I'm an entrepreneur. I have a problem. I don't have a board of advisors, right? First step. <laughs> but it seems to me like you need to have some sort of structure or framework that can help me engage a person. So they don't just think I'm some sort of yutz calling them up going, hey, I'm selling a widget. I got my shit together, so to speak. And I'd like to talk to you about helping out. Like, so what would be that, I don't know, that structure, that framework, or what would be that piece that I need to put in place? I think the early days, you 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 literally sneak up on people. <laughs> and I mean, that, I'll give you an example. When I first- Tag your in. When I first started Athena, 
um, I approached a woman who I knew, you know, well, but not super well. And I was still trying to get to know her, but she was at the time the CIO of New Relic and um, she was on a couple of boards. And I said, gosh, I, you know, every time I talk to you, like I'm taking out my notebook, you know, those people, like every time you talk to them, you're like, I'm taking notes, you know, and, and just, can I talk to you periodically, like about these kinds of things, right? And then over time, that becomes something that they're more invested in because so much of their thought has gone into it. They're invested in your success, right? And, like, and then you say, well, could I formalize this a little bit? You know, could you become a formal advisor for me? And then it's just like, you know, I want to put you on decks and put you on my website. You know, it's that simple. Okay? <laughs> and then, you know, but we're still doing the same thing we're doing right now. And, and then you start accumulating those, you know, and you've got five of them. And then at some point you might step back and you might say, you know what, I'd love to get them together with me. And so then it's like, I'm, I'm bringing my advisors together as an advisory board and we're going to meet once a quarter and I'm going to give us different things we're going to tackle, you know? So like for my advisory board, I just spent the, we, we actually are getting together once a month at Athena and I spent two months, I just kicked it off. I spent two months getting them really socialized to what it is Athena is supposed to be. Here's what it's all about. Here's what I'm selling. Here's how I want it to feel. This one, this next month, they have homework assignment. Go check out everything you see out there, which is largely the website, right? Are we what I say we are? And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk as a group about what they see. You know, do, is it what, what I'm saying or do I need to do some things differently? Which is great because they're they're on the outside. They're not living in the trees day to day. They can see the forest, right? So that's where you start to, you don't like immediately say, hey, you know, I want to start a for formal. Sometimes you do, but you're much bigger usually by that point. But if you're smaller, then you sneak up on them. You know, you just build those really, and then you create the formal. But you should be thinking about that structure along the way. Like it's going to be one-to-one, then it's going to be, you know, one-to-one, -one but many, and then it's going to bring, I'm going to bring them together. And then maybe I, now I have my pool that I can potentially draw from for some more, maybe these, these sets of advisors become like a, a bigger set of advisors or a more serious set of advisors and they get some stock and then maybe they become, or they get a stipend and then maybe they become board member feeders, right? But that's the structural thought. So what I'm pulling from you is that it is a process, and so you want to take your time with it. You want to identify those people, reach out to them, start developing the relationship, and kind of create like a nurture campaign where you're like bringing them in slowly into the process. Once they get emotionally invested, that's when you hit them with, hey, let's formalize this. Yeah, you can even, I mean, I've done things uh, like, you know, I do, um, and I've also seen this in other, other people as well, like, <coughs> excuse me. You might send out a quarterly, you know, personal Rick Gerard newsletter, you know, just to my, my core group of people who have helped me along the way and care deeply about um, what I'm building here. I just want to give you an update. Here's our successes and our wins, and our next challenges. So you're building more and more of a connection to you and to what you're building. And, and a lot of times that's what people, that's all they need. They need to know that what they're giving you in their time and their advice ha is, has a, has a, um, a beneficial um, impact 
that they can also then leverage to bask in the glow of, right? Now, at what point do you say, okay, look at, let's formalize this. And then here's kind of like our advisor equity package. Like uh, those are things you can pull off of Combinator, you know, wherever you get them, right? But at what point do you need to feel comfortable with somebody or does somebody need to feel comfortable with you for you to ask them to formalize the relationship? Well, so um, I think there's sort of two things. One is if it's an individual person and you're going to count on their leverage, you're going to count on their social, you know, or political collateral, right? You're, you're going to count on them. For example, you are putting them in the decks and you might actually call on them to be a part of the roadshow in some way or validation or whatever. Then you might want to say, hey, and I want to give you something formally for this. You might also decide that you're going to formalize and create a formal advisory board because you've gotten to a certain size where now that's what you want to do. Um, and, you know, so what is the what is the give get? Then you have to think about the give get, right? Like, well, I'm going to want to get together once a month and I'm going to, you know, assign you some homework. And so what do I give you in return for that? Is it stock? Is it a is it a cash stipend? Is it discounts on the product, you know, depending on what it is that you have or, you know, lifetime membership, like what, what do you have to offer? It can be a variety of things, you know? So that's really up to you. I've seen all sorts of structures work from a 10 K annual stipend to, you know, 10,000 shares of stock and whatever that means, you know, like I've seen all sorts of different structures. And it seems to me like it's really dependent upon what's important to that advisor, like what they value, that give get. Everybody's always concerned about the what's in it for me. Yeah. And somebody might be just really happy with being able to use the product for free for the lifetime. And then somebody might be like, hey, look at I definitely want the equity or I want to be able to draw some cash from this at some point. Yeah, I think you want to, you you know, once you get to a state where you are formalizing, you know, and there's five, six people, or, you know, around that table, you kind of want to be consistent. You know, what, what one gets, they all get. Um, because they will talk to each other at some point when they start to become friends, <laughs> you know, and also it's just, it's just, you know, even if they didn't talk to each other, it's just good practice. It's easier for you to manage. It's, you know, it's, it's a good idea. You've got kind of a framework. What about the structural components? Is there anything that I think you had three pieces that we discussed about how you can leverage that structure? I sort of talked about it a little bit in that, you know, first it starts one-to-one, -one, your individual relationships, you're pulling on close connections then, you know, then you're going to lesser known, you know, they, they may be better known public figures, but lesser known to you. So then you're creating more of like this, um, potentially like a, a set of think tanks around you, you know, and you're there, you're looking, you, for sure, I would say, start thinking about diversity, mixed groups, you know, this is where you can start to get in. Um, people from different kinds of backgrounds is incredible and people from different kinds of regions and different industries potentially, um, you know, and then you might be formalizing, mostly keeping it one-to-one -one still, but having maybe a, we'll get all of this type together on a quarterly basis and all of that type together on a quarterly basis. And then when you go to the formal advisory board, I've seen it, you know, strictly around one like I think about the business is always having three to five key imperatives that it's working on. You know, these are the things that are going to take you to the next milestone on, you know, take you from 1 million to 10 million or 10 million to a hundred million. What are those things? You might feel to 
form an advisory board around the one thing. You know, we're doubling down on this vertical. Um, you know, we're we're really trying to solve this problem in the product. Um, you know, our go-to-market strategy. So then, in that case, it's a group of people that are all potentially alike. Um, and so then, you know, what are you looking for from them? Formalize that around them. All CMOs, all chief technology officers, etc. But as you get closer and closer to me formalizing a real board, you know, if you're going to do that or you want that benefit, but you're not actually going to create a fiduciary board, think eventually about creating an advisory board that's a mix of roles. Like take your C-suite and build your C-suite, but two years out from where you are, you know, so your advisors, yeah, your advisors represent the, you know, 50 million mark when you're at 10 million right now. You know, but then there's people that your C-suite can tap into and get advice from. And so structure that. And then the last thing I would say around structuring is think about cadence, how often, and think about value and consistency from one meeting to the next. Like, you know, in the first quarter, are we going to be talking about the plans for the year and the growth strategy? In the second quarter, are we going to be talking about the product and, you know, the product roadmap in the third quarter? But, but create something that gives that advisory board a sense of consistency and also um, building on working through problems and, and, and initiatives for the business once you've started building it more to look like your C-suite. That's great advice. You know, it's, I find that most of our audience are probably trying to go from that zero to a million or, or that one million to five million range. I love the fact that you're looking at the C-suite for the future and engaging them early. That's a great way to proactively recruit your next talent pool, other people are going to hire when you're ready to hire them. That's fantastic. We're getting pretty close on time. Coco, what would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience that can plug into their business today? I think the very first one is start thinking beyond the team you're going to hire. Think to the team that's going to support you personally. I think the second is as you do that, think competitive advantage. Like who's out there right now that would, if they're association to, that their association to you would start to give you a competitive advantage. Um, and then the third is just build in advance of your needs. Don't don't think that this is something you need to do next year. If you think that, then start doing it this year. Oh, I love that. All right, Coco, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. What's the best way in which uh, members of the audience can find you, find your company, all that good stuff? I'm the easiest Coco Brown to find on LinkedIn. Um, I I challenge you to, 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 to tell me that I'm not the first Coco Brown that pops up if you look for me. So that would be one way. I spelt it wrong the first time, by the way. And so I got it wrong, but. Oh, you got it. Okay. COCO, well, no A. And then the second is Athena Alliance. Um, so just athenaalliance.com. Uh, two A's in the middle there, athenaalliance.com. And um, we are an ecosystem for a, a executive enablement. Um, so, yeah. And of course, we'll have all that linked in the show notes. I want to thank you for tuning in this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. After all this shows for you, we want to continue to bring valuable content to you week after week. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com, or you can drop me an email at rickettstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Payman Tay. He is the founder and president of VizMe. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. 
Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to hiring success, Rick Jerome.